Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, interesting one, this one today, market update, but I guess the big question here um, at the start of the market update is, is this the uh, start of a big price falls in Brisbane market? Gosh, you're starting to sound like the media headlines with um, with an introductory line like that, Scott. So yes, market update day again, and we are here to help you understand the data and also to help you understand what we are seeing on the ground. So, you know, it's a good question to lead in with because we're looking at the data up to the end of August here today. Um, and that has shown that for the first time in more than two years, negative growth has been recorded in both the housing market and the unit market across Greater Brisbane. So, yes, some people will be leading with, is this the start of big price falls? Um, but other people that are in the industry may be simply asking the questions um, around, is this the adjustment period um, while buyers are waiting for more confidence to return to the market? So, you know, based on where what we're seeing, we're going to unpack today uh, what the data um, really means, what we're seeing on the ground and, and how we can make some realistic um, observations based on what's really happening. So as you just mentioned, um, when we look at, you know, where we're sitting at the moment in this time of year, this information from today is basically settled sales from back in July. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's obviously back at the time um, compared to what we're seeing now on the ground, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, um, what we're actually seeing out and about on the ground at opens, auctions, things like that. Um, but obviously, you know, when you talk about what's happening for consumer sentiment, things like that, obviously the headlines, they, they will have a major impact on what has happened and is happening as well. Yeah, you make a good point that um, anything that we, we report in the data is settled sales and it's always looking back in the rear view mirror. It's not what's happening today, it's what's been happening in the past. Um, and you're absolutely right. Um, the headlines can really impact on consumer sentiment. And in fact, if we look back at August data, this is reporting on what was happening on the ground back in July. Um, and consumer sentiment, you may recall, back at that time reached new lows. And they were comparable to huge major international shocks such as the global financial crisis and the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, with consumer confidence levels um, returning to levels that were observed in those sorts of similar um, situations, it gives you an indication of just how uncertain um, consumers have become. Um, a lot of buyers were, were very fearful back in July and we've been reporting for the, the past few weeks that for us, based on what we've observed looking retrospectively, July was definitely the worst of what was happening on the ground. Um, a lot of buyers were choosing just to sit on the sidelines to observe the market. Um, a lot of buyers were still there, but they weren't actively participating. So rather than actively bidding on properties, they were just watching, just observing and sitting on the sidelines. And a lot of that was also due to the fact that we've had a rising interest rate environment. A lot of buyers uh, have been unsure as to how much they can borrow, even people that were previously pre-approved. Um, they had no guarantee that they could still rely on those pre-approvals because interest rates have been changing on a month by month basis. So of course, people's borrowing capacity has been eroded. And that all has an impact on the demand for property, of course. If people are uncertain, they tend to take a wait and see approach. Now, and I think it's interesting when you, when you talk about that, when you talk about um, people sitting back and waiting and watching the market, wondering what's happening, we were actually seeing good opportunities. Absolutely. So good opportunities to buy property because there's less competition. So if there's less competition, you can actually get in, you can talk to agents, negotiate, um, which 
that was never done, especially last year. Um, there was no negotiations at all. But there was we were seeing some really good opportunities for people to actually to get into the market when people were fearful and sitting back on the sidelines. Yeah, you've got to understand that sometimes sellers need to meet the market. And we saw some really good buying opportunities a couple of months ago, back in, in July especially, where there was a motivated vendor, a seller who really needed to sell. Perhaps they had um, already purchased elsewhere and they were relying on the proceeds of their sale. Um, so they had to meet the market at whatever level that market was prepared to pay. Um, we also saw some quiet distressed sales where people were having to transact quietly off market. So, you know, if there's a motivated vendor that is willing to meet the market for whatever price the market's prepared to pay, that that means opportunity. And, And as Scott has pointed out, you know, we saw a few of those opportunities, but already we're here in September, we're seeing fewer, fewer of those. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, the, the times, um, at the worst, Point within the COVID pandemic, it felt quite similar. There was a lot of panic initially in the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of, you know, sellers just went, well, we're out. We're not interested in transacting in this market. But there were still some sellers that really needed to, to get the sale away. So they were willing to let the property go for whatever price the market was prepared to pay. Sort of a similar situation that we've seen in the last couple of months. But, um, you know, we maybe passed the the point where those opportunities are are really quite um, available. And now we're sort of seeing uh, something different, which we will talk about a little bit later. Yeah, and, and probably those opportunities that when we talk about it being um, less opportunities, I guess, if you want to say it that way, maybe it's it's part of it to do with what we're seeing at the moment is the gap between the sellers and the buyers. So, you know, the sellers are obviously, the expectation is still quite high, that they think the market is still very strong, um, that they're going to get good prices, Um the, the buyers then are probably thinking, no, the market's dropped so much. So there's that there's that gap between buyers and sellers. Um, I, I think in some areas it is some parts do close up a little bit and it becomes a bit more um, comparable with each other, but there is still that little bit of a gap. Now, whilst there's that gap there, there's probably less opportunities that people are going to let go of price, um, properties for a lower price. And the other thing is that um, any any properties that are not selling are not becoming part of the data. So, you know, those that are not selling, it's just increasing that trend of days on market. And we'll talk about that in terms of what's happening to those uh, property listings that have been on the market for longer periods of time. We're going to cover all of that in today's podcast. But um, you've got to remember that not all properties make up the data. It's only those properties that actually do sell that make up the data. And you to get a broader understanding of what's happening across the market, it's also important to see what's not selling and, and to make some um, assumptions about what that might be because it helps to draw the full picture and not just what the data might be showing. So what's not selling? Good question. Um, typically in any market that's not um, a strong seller's market like you know, throughout 2021, everything would sell. There was a buyer for every type of property, whether it was flat impacted, main road, whatever, it would still sell probably with multiple offers because everybody had FOMO. But now we're in a more normal market. And so it it just comes back to the fundamentals. Good quality properties are still in high demand here in Brisbane and there's still more than one buyer for A-grade opportunities. Yeah, what we're sort of seeing on that is the properties that, um, as when they're saying, is when we're talking A-grade, B-grade, things like that, properties that anything that's affected by, say, for example, flood, um, overland flows, near main roads, um, you know, maybe, and at the moment we're also seeing properties that need a lot of work. A lot of people are a bit fearful on that one because some people say that, well, they can't get trades, there's a shortage of construction. Um, So there's those sort of properties which, unless they're actually rent ready or ready to move into, 
and in a good location, um, those properties are probably sitting on the market a little bit longer, if not um, getting taken away from the market. Yeah, good point. And, um, you know, the demand for those sorts of properties is definitely lower compared to what it has been in the past. So, you know, if there is a buyer that's looking at those properties, um, they're pricing in a value deduction for the impacts that that property might have or the issues that the property might have or the risks that the property might have. So, you know, that's what we typically see in a normal market, um, you know, whereas, you know, in a strong seller's market, there, there is a buyer for every property. So we're just back into normal market conditions. And the way the rental market's going, which we'll touch on later, some people are probably just going to, if they're not going to sell them straight away, they'll take them off the market and put them on the rental market um, because they're going to get tenants because that, that rental side of it, which we will touch on later, is very, very tight. Absolutely. So so dwelling values, when we look at dwelling values um, across Brisbane? Yeah, up to the end of August, CoreLogic um, Hedonic Home Value Index data showed that dwelling values, which incorporates both houses and units, declined negative 1.8% across the month. So, you know, the median value for dwellings across Greater Brisbane um, as at the end of August was $762,284. So that is down on the month prior. Um, what we can do, though, is break that dwelling data down into the price segments. So when we look at the top 25% of property values um, in Greater Brisbane, that segment of the market has seen the highest levels of price falls down 4.1%. Uh, whereas we look at the middle 50%, that segment of the market is down 2.1%. Now this, when I'm talking about it's down, it's down over the previous three months up to the end of August. And then the um, lowest 25% of property values has actually increased 0.7%. So not all segments of the market are performing in the same way. So you can't use um, the median dwelling uh, data to apply across the board equally. The other thing I will say is that when we are looking at the price segmentation, which I've just been through, that includes both units, townhouses and houses all grouped as one. So again, there is some... Um, differentiation there because the lowest 25% of property values have actually increased in value. Now that segment of the market typically will include a lot of townhouses and units which have, as we've been reporting in recent months, have actually been um, growing well and outperforming the housing market. So it's really important to dig a bit deeper into the data and understand what is made up within that data so that you can see the trends that are emerging. Okay, so if we if we do then break it up um, into those areas, well, as you said, with the townhouses and units performing well, what about houses? What's what's the housing sector doing? So throughout um, the month of August, up to the end of August, um, house values in Brisbane declined at a faster rate than unit values. So we saw negative two point one percent declines in median values for houses um, throughout August. So. The median value for a house in Greater Brisbane um, at that time was sitting at $864,149. Um, now, when we look at that, sorry, when we look at a, a particular house that might be for sale today compared to, um, you know, a house that might have been for sale, you know, three months ago, it doesn't mean that a one house is now that might have been purchased back in July is now worth that much less because, of course, every property has its own level of supply and demand. But that's the general trend based on the median value of what has sold within these time periods. So it's something just important to keep in mind. You cannot assume that A-grade properties have declined um, if they've got that strong 
buyer demand. It's very unlikely you're going to see any price discounting as such. Um, however, on properties where there's much less demand, it's more likely that you can um, negotiate and price in some discounting based on those impacts. And the sector that we've been watching for a while and, and obviously reporting on quite a bit is, is the um, units and townhouse sort of section. How's that um, performed in the last month? Yeah, so interestingly, up to the end of August, we saw a really small decline in that unit um, value, median value. So a decline of negative 0.2% across the month of August. Um, so that's not a huge change, to be honest, but the median value for units across Greater Brisbane now is sitting at $501,396. Remember, that's a very affordable segment of the market, so we don't expect to see the prices shift as much. Um, but it's definitely something that we're continuing to watch because on the ground, we're still seeing a huge volume of demand for those quality townhouses and units in some locations throughout um, the Brisbane city region. So um, I definitely don't think that that downward trend is set to continue. Now, an area that can be affected, obviously, people trying to get finance and things like that with interest rates and whatnot. But um, when you look at auctions and Brisbane's never been historically the big auction city, um, obviously, people need to get their financing organised and all those types of things. The auction clearance rates, that, that's always an interesting one to look at to see what's happening. Look, it is an interesting one. And although we do look at the auction clearance rates, um, sometimes it's also understanding how that, that, that value is made up. But if we look at the domain auction clearance rates, for example, throughout the four weeks in August, the clearance rates for Brisbane properties range between 34 and 45%. Now, that is definitely lower than the long-term average for Brisbane. However, if we look at the um, auction clearance rates for the month of September, um, so far those clearance rates have been between 41% and 63%. So you can already see an uplift in those clearance rates um, from August through to September. And I think that's definitely a reflection of what we are seeing on the ground in terms of that buyer sentiment. There's been a shift we're noticing it now and it's starting to come through in that more immediate data. And what I mean by that more immediate data is, is the auction clearance rates because that's collected at the point of sale or at the time of the auction. And we don't have to wait, you know, 30 to 60 days to see that reflected as a settled sales um, data point. So, you know, it is reassuring that buyers are getting to the point where they're becoming more confident to, to re-enter the market. And we're definitely seeing that in terms of buyer volumes on the ground again. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of that, more, more of that at auctions and the amount of people that are there. We'll touch on that later on when we talk about on the ground, but the auctions and people at auctions and bidding at auctions, um, it's definitely pretty positive, actually. Um, the rental side of things, if we, if we look at the rental market, um, I know that that's going to be tight. Absolutely. And, you know, let's let's not underestimate the problems that are occurring in the rental market across Greater Brisbane. Um, you will have seen the headlines around the rental crisis. Nothing's really changing month on month. Our vacancy rate across Greater Brisbane is still at 0.7%. So it is so tight and it, tenants are really struggling to find rental accommodation. And in fact, there's been some news reports that they're setting up some tent cities to the west of Brisbane just to accommodate those people that cannot find a home. So we are in a dire, dire situation. Some of the vacancy rates um, across different parts of Brisbane are um, extremely tight. For example, the Beanley Corridor, current vacancy is sitting at 0.4%. 
In the Brisbane CBD, the current vacancy is at 1.2%. And I keep reflecting back on what we saw back at the peak of the pandemic where we were above 14%. So the recovery in the CBD has been incredible. We've not seen vacancy rates this tight within that CBD area um, since September 2010 or March, April 2012. So that was before the, the oversupply of the unit development in that in that area. East Brisbane current vacancy um, rates are sitting around 0.8%. Inner Brisbane, 0.9%. Ipswich, 0.5%. Northern Brisbane, 0.4%. Southeast Brisbane, 0.6%. Southern Brisbane, 0.8% and West Brisbane, 0.6%. It is extremely tight. Um, rental accommodation is not easy to find and that is reflecting in those vacancy rates. There's a lot of zeros in that. I think it was the only the only one above a zero point something was Brisbane CBD, but as you said, 1.2%. It's not far off it. Um, and, and it was, I do remember talking about that at around 14% as well. I know you've done a little bit of extra work on this and this, this will help people understand a bit more. When we, when we talk about the, the low percentage of um, vacancy rates, but what about the change when we're talking about the change in the rental side of things? Yeah, look, obviously um, in the rental market, it is like the, the sales market when there is very low supply and very high demand, it pushes prices up. It's that economic principle of supply and demand. So those rental vacancy rates are an indication of supply. So we've got very low supply and yet we've got increasing demand. Remember, we've had a huge volume of interstate migrants coming into southeast Queensland. They all typically put pressure on the rental market before they they look to buy. And we've also got international borders reopened. So there's a lot of people now um, coming into Brisbane, students returning to universities. That's all putting pressure on the demand side of that rental market. We can look at SQM weekly rent index um, results to see what's changed in the last 12 months in certain regions around the city. Um, and that helps us to understand just how much rents have shifted in each of these sub-regions. So this is fascinating and, and tenants don't want to hear this information because it's it's really hard for them to fork out this extra money towards housing and rental accommodation. But the reality is that there's just such low supply that um, the demand pressure is, is causing these rents to rise. I mean, the media might have you believe that you know, the greedy landlords are just putting up the rents to cover the increasing cost of interest rates. Um, you know, that's not the case. It's just based on a very low supply of rental properties. So the Beanley Corridor, 29.6% um, um, 12 month change in the weekly rent index, according to SQM research. Brisbane CBD, 18.4% um, 12 month change. East Brisbane, 21.5% change in the weekly rents. Inner Brisbane, 25.9% increase. Ipswich, 25.8%. North Brisbane, 21.8% 12-month change. Southeast Brisbane, 18.4% 12-month change. Southern Brisbane, 23.3%. And West Brisbane, 21.8%. These are huge shifts in the weekly rent index. Um, and it's understandably you know, it's upsetting for tenants just to see just how much more they have to spend on housing when they are relying on that rental accommodation. It is driven by a lack of supply. It's a bit, a bit out of balance there when you look at those numbers and those percentages, the, the low vacancy rates but the massive increase in, in the rent. It's obviously such a low supply um, when they're talking about rental properties. And even, you know, um, looking at CoreLogic data, Brisbane's leading 
the um, capital city markets in terms of housing um, rent changes across the last 12 months. Um, although in the unit market, it's a little bit behind. Melbourne and Sydney are leading house price, or sorry, the unit rent price growth there. But um, I think given how tight those rental markets have become, we'll see some big shifts in the unit um, rents as well. And and obviously there's the land tax side of it, which we, you know, we've talked about before as well. Um, and, I, you know, I believe there's, we'll, there will be more information to come. There is a housing summit um, in Queensland here in October. Yeah, uh, if you've been, you know, following any of the media around the land tax, um, you know, some commentators are referring to it as, as a tenant's tax because the reality is anything that um, increases the cost of holding a property as a landlord um, may actually cause property investors to stop investing in the market. So people may sell and that's going to have an impact on supply. And we are already in a, a situation where there are not enough rental properties to house the people that need a home. So anything that could potentially impact on the future supply of rental properties is going to create um, a situation where you know, supply is further suppressed and in an environment where demand is already so high, we can see just in the last 12 months what's happened to rents. If something um, causes the rental supply to shrivel up even more, rents are just going to continue to escalate. So that's why they're calling it a tenant's tax because they're expecting tenants will have to pay. Remember, landlords can't just automatically charge extra costs onto a tenant. Um, there's got to be a tenant that can afford to pay um, that amount. There's going to be a, a limit in some areas in terms of what tenants can afford to pay and what they are prepared to pay. Um, but at the moment, there's just so much competition from tenants that a lot of them are paying whatever it will take just to put, you know, a roof over their heads. So the situation needs changing. And, you know, hopefully at this housing summit in October, there's going to be some, you know, common sense prevailing to ensure that we can continue to provide a market or provide accommodation for those that need it, um, but not, you know, impose taxes that are going to have such a negative impact on, you know, the supply of investment properties when private mum and dad investors are those who generally need to supply the, the in fact, we supply 95% of the rental accommodation um, in Queensland already. So, you know, it doesn't make sense to penalise those who are actually providing homes for so many people. I'm sure there'll be a podcast or two out of the um, out of the summit, the housing summit. So Absolutely. I'm sure we'll do some research and report back in once we um, can break all that down once that's completed as well. Um, yields, when people are talking about investing and looking for yields in property? Yeah, so obviously as um, prices start to soften and we've still got such strong rental price growth, we've seen um, a, a turnaround in the gross rental yield. So the median gross yield for Brisbane houses, it's increased from 3.4% um, at the end of July to 3.6% now at the end of August. So that's one thing that Brisbane has a huge advantage over other um, capital city markets, especially Sydney and Melbourne. Our rental returns are so much higher. Um, so the return on investment overall can um, it might be easier from a serviceability perspective for many people to hold rental properties. In the unit market, um, the gross rental yields has increased from 4.7% at the end of July through to 4.8% at the end of August. So you do get a higher rental return or a higher investment yield when investing in a unit or a townhouse compared to a house um, in Brisbane. And, and, you know, even though interest rates are increasing with those higher gross yields, 
Also, it's helping to offset that cost of higher interest rates for many uh, property investors who do own properties here in Brisbane. So obviously with the interest rate side of things, the supply and the, the listing numbers and things like that, it's it's still going to stay tight? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the interest rates increasing, um, the inflationary pressure, you know, it's absolutely reasonable to expect that, you know, buyers will you know, sit on the sidelines until we find our new normal. So people need to understand where we're going to actually um, hit peak, when we're going to hit that peak interest rate cycle. And from a lot of the most recent commentary, we believe that's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, but I think at that point, you know, buyers will regain their confidence and we expect that those that have been sitting on the sidelines will jump straight back in. We are, and we have been tracking days on market, as we've talked about earlier in this episode, there's been a lot of properties that have not been transacting because buyers have not been willing to drop their price expectations and sellers have been too nervous to meet those expectations. So those properties are not selling. Um, And we can actually look at how that impacts on older listings. So I've done a bit of a deep dive into SQM Um, research, which helps us to understand the total listings um, as they are grouped by the the date or the age of the listing. And if we look at the oldest listings, and they are any listings that have been sitting on the market for between 90 and 180 days, between April this year and August, those total listings between 90 and 180 days old have been increasing on a month-by-month basis. So more and more old listings are sitting on the market. Any listings that have been sitting for between 60 and 90 days, for June, July and August, those listings have also been trending higher when we look at the SQM total listings data. However, what is really interesting is that the newer listings Anything from 30 to 60 days older um, has been, it's been dropping. So from July to August, we've actually seen a decline in those uh, listings that are between 30 and 60 days, even though from May, June and July, those listings were increasing. And anything from zero to 30 days, again, from July to August, we've seen a decrease in those listings. So what this confirms for us is that there's absolutely no forced selling. Mm. If there was forced selling, we'd see a huge increase in the more recent listings. In fact, how I interpret this is that sellers are becoming more nervous about listing their properties and therefore they're holding off until there's more confidence in the market and potentially more buyer activity. Um, And what that is doing is it's causing even fewer or even more supply issues because supply is already low. And if we look at CoreLogic data for the four weeks up to the 31st of July, and admittedly, we don't have the most recent data, we don't have more recent data than this. When we compare the four weeks of July this year compared to um, the four weeks of July last year, Brisbane's um, new listings are down 10%. So we've actually seen fewer properties being listed this time, uh, sorry, in July this year compared to July last year. Um, But we're not seeing, so there's no no forced selling in Brisbane. We can compare those new listings though for Brisbane with um, Sydney and that's increased this year compared to last year, up 4.3%. Melbourne, up 92.4% in July this year compared to July last year and Canberra up 110.9% this year in July compared to July last year. So 
The new listings, according to CoreLogic, are very, very different in each capital city and it's about understanding the dynamics of, you know, the supply and the demand um, to, to determine what's going to happen to prices in the future. And if you look at that compared to the same period last year? So we can look at total listing volumes um, that CoreLogic put out compared to the same period last year. Again, for the four weeks in July, Brisbane's total volume of listings, so this is new listings and old listings, all of those listings that have been sitting on the market for a lot longer. In Brisbane, our total listing volumes are down 1.4% um, compared to, to last year. In Sydney, that has increased 31.3%. Melbourne has increased 23.7%. Hobart's up 54.7% and Canberra's up 55.9%. So again, when we are looking at the properties that we have available for sale, it's actually lower than what it was this time last year. Yes, demand is also lower, but we're going to have to see a real shift in the number of new properties becoming available for sale. We're going to have to see a really um, rapid increase in the number of new listings to see any rapid price falls occurring because we still have a very suppressed supply um, issue uh, for properties for sale here in Brisbane. So if we pull that crystal ball out and we look towards the future, what are we seeing? And then and we'll also touch about what we're seeing on the ground. Yeah, look, I don't think there's any way at all that anyone can predict the future with certainty. You know, there's so many commentators that are trying to do that. There's all those people that are bullish on the property market. There's all those people that are, um, you know, bearish on the property market. Some people are saying we're going to grow, we're going to, to crash. The reality is based on, you know, what we're seeing, we're very unlikely to see a bull market or, or a, a bear market. We're really just going to see a stable market and that's based on fundamentals for Brisbane. Right now, if we're looking forward, um, we've got a tight labour market, we've got a very strong local economy, income growth's gathering momentum, you know, where it's very unlikely that we're going to see a material increase in distressed sales. Um, we're certainly not seeing any evidence of that in new listings coming through in the market. Um, so, you know, right now we're, we're seeing people sit on the sidelines and we feel that that demand will shift back into the market as soon as we have some stability in terms of um, you know, hitting the peak of interest rate, the interest rate cycle and, and ensuring that inflation comes back within that 2 to 3% band that, you know, the RBA are, are, are keep talking about. So, you know, I do think that we're going to be in a market that's fairly stable for the next few months. However, as soon as we get stability in those financial markets as a whole, we do expect buyer activity to increase. And in the absence of any new um, strong change in listing volumes that will then cause further price growth, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, we look at, as we talked about earlier, the information we have here is on past settled sales, things like that. What we're seeing out and about on the ground, um, we're seeing really, really good numbers at open inspections. Um, we're seeing properties go to multi-offer. So mm. good. And again, we're talking about good locations here, right? not everywhere, but in the, in the right locations, A-grade properties. We're seeing properties sell at auctions with multiple people buying, and that's from a whole range. You know, we're talking properties selling in the ten million dollar mark to right down through to that lower to the lower range of you know one million dollar and thereabouts. So, properties are selling. People are bidding at auctions. There's a lot of people there putting their hands putting their hands up and actually having a bid. Um, multi offers are happening. We're seeing good strong inspections. Areas, as we said earlier, areas that are affected by you know 
we talk about that B grade, C grade properties, floods, main roads, things like that. They're, they're sitting on the market for longer. So it's probably more of a normal market, if you want to call it that. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of positivities in there. And I think, you know, this type of market presents with huge opportunity for property buyers because, you know, whilst quality properties still attract, um, you know, a decent amount of buyer volume, it's still less uh, competition than it would be in a market that's otherwise driven by FOMO. Um, and therefore, if there is an opportunity to buy well in the current market with less competition, remember, property is not something you buy to sell next year. In most cases, um, properties that are actually transacted are a long-term asset. You're buying a home to live in for many, many years, or you're buying an investment you know, for 10 or 20 years into the future. There is a buying opportunity at the moment in Brisbane whilst there are a lot of buyers that are fearful. And I think those that have been savvy enough to take advantage of these current conditions will really look back and, and pat themselves on the back 10 years from now when they realise that, um, you know, it was a good time to get into the market whilst there was a lot of fear in the market. It's interesting, the psychology of buying um, a lot of people want to jump in on the market when everybody else is is jumping in on the market and whilst it's all very positive, but the number of people that want to buy in a market where there's a lot of negativity and a lot of news headlines that are suggesting that the market's not strong, it's those that continue to focus on the long term that ultimately do very well in the long term because if you can buy well when the market is softer, it's going to reap more rewards into the future. Yeah, I think if, I think whether whether you're a home buyer and you're wanting to buy in that right pocket now is is a good time. If you're an investor, uh, oh look, I think it's a, it's a fantastic time because um, if you want to rent the property out, <laughs> you've just heard about the rental market. Um, you'll get a tenant um, and they'll rent it out. Now that's not going to change overnight either. That's going to keep going for a while. We can't see that changing too quick. Um, the Olympics here in 10 years, you can rent your property out then as well. So <laughs> you, you're going to rent the property out. It's going to go up in value. I Look, I, I think there's really good opportunities for people um, and you don't want to be that person looking back saying, well, I should have, I could have, but I didn't. And I think the final note to, on that point is that properties that do become available for sale within the next few months, they're not going to be the same properties that become available for sale next year. So our focus should always be on buying the right home or the right investment, regardless of broader market conditions. So if you're in the market ready to buy for when the right home or the right investment property becomes available, regardless of broader market conditions, the time to buy is when you are ready to do so, as long as that aligns with your long-term goals. Okay. Well, that's that's the market update. Hopefully that was helpful for everyone. Um, we will um, we'll wrap it up as we usually do. Melinda can um, close things out and um, we will talk again next week. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now. Thanks as always. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this market update and uh, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and also tell your friends and family about our podcast so that the information can be shared with a broader group of people. As always, have a fabulous week. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. 
If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.